Welcome to Let It Grow Investing. I'm Jeff. Thanks for stopping by. Let's talk stocks, crypto, market news, investing ideas, and strategies. I'm not a financial advisor, and this is only for entertainment purposes. Please make sure to like, follow, and share so that we can all let it grow together. Welcome back to Let It Grow. It is currently 9, 10 in the morning on uh, September 10th, so 9, 10, 9, 10. And uh, looking at a little bit of pre-market uh, moving, uh, moving action, some market news, uh, a bunch of different things going on out there today. And uh, we also have our first supporter on the for the channel. Uh, so thank you, Thomas, and uh, longtime friend. We often talk uh, talk about stocks and finance, and he actually got me into going to some growth names. He might might not know it, but there's a, a big reason why I went into getting some growth uh, growth stocks and growth picks was uh, due to some of our talks and some of his high conviction plays and some of the moves that he was making. So thanks for being a supporter, and uh, thanks for uh, opening my eyes to some other things other than dividend names that I was pretty strictly only in dividend names when I started, but started branching out uh, a few years back and thanks to you. But, uh, all right. So what do we got? We got, uh, we had that Boeing deal with, uh, Ryan air kind of falling apart. The talks have stopped. Um, that was a $1 billion sale that they are again, dropping the ball on somehow. Um, Boeing just seems to not be able to get out of their own way. They had the, the plane problems, the, the, pilot problems, you know, and then they had uh, some different engine issues. It just seems like every time that Boeing is in the news, it's it's just been a bad thing. Um, you know, I mean, the, plus the pandemic and some other things going on with the market that have just not really done well for air travel. And I mean, they, they just seem to not be able to get out of the way there. They cut their dividend last year when the pandemic started. Um, I, I, was buying as a swing trade to get it from the eighties back to, I think 200 or so I sold it. Um, I mean, that sounds great, but knowing that I own some in the three hundreds before that was not so great. So I, you know, I saw that big loss from the three hundreds down to the eighties and, uh, I made it back to even they cut the dividend and I, I got out of it. I mean, it, it seems like a, a business that can't get out of its own way. So there was a bunch of reasons for me getting out of it. I, I thought it was one of the safe, stable companies, but uh, it, it just got to the point that it was too much of a headache for me to own as it was supposed to be a safety pick. So um, not saying not to don't look at it or keep your eye on it. But, you know, right now it seems like they just can't get out of their own way. But uh, also we had uh, Citibank come out and they uh, went ahead and started initiating coverage on Lucid Motors, which uh, is the first analyst to come out with a price target for Lucid. And uh, they initiated coverage at uh, $28 and said it's a buy. Um, this one I've been in since it was a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company with uh, Churchill Capital, uh, which basically a SPAC is a, a company that starts a open check company more or less and gets investors. And then that company goes out and tries to acquire another company. Um, so Churchill capital IV, the fourth 
uh, company that they created to do this type of investment, then merged with Lucid Motors. Um, so I, I got in in the 14 range. They traded up into the 40s, came way back down. And, um, you know, so now they are, where are we currently? We are currently at $20. Uh, we're a little up in the pre-market. We're at 2017. And uh, so Citibank sees an upside of, of eight bucks from here. And I definitely think we could get there within a year. Um, I kind of thought we'd be back up in the 30s by by this time next year and let let some sales get out and do some um, some numbers and get some cars actually delivered. Uh, they have the, I believe, the highest mileage sedan uh, that is out there right now with over 500 miles. I know Tesla's close, but the Model S long range was kind of chipped away at the mileage there. And I believe the, the Lucid Air is... Uh, was the highest mileage out of a charge uh, on a sedan right now. So they're they're definitely up there in, in what they're doing. Their prices are high. They are uh, pretty much a solely luxury company as of right now. I don't know if that'll change kind of how Tesla started with their high end and then went to that lower uh, price point, lower margin vehicle and, you know, more of the EV for the masses. I don't know if that's Part of Lucid's plan, it could be kind of a, a copy to, to Tesla or if they just want to stay in that luxury lane. Um, also, we had uh, the White House come out and say that they wanted to uh, get prescription drug prices down. And uh, this this one definitely played on uh, names like in my portfolio, Johnson & Johnson, Bristol-Myers, AbbVie, uh, Abbott Labs. All of those uh, saw some some a little bit of pain yesterday as uh you know the the uncertainty of what that means for the market so you know i i don't see these companies johnson and johnson being too heavily impacted on this in the long term uh, i think they will certainly um work around it and and still find a way to make money on whatever they're selling but um you know it it could be a a spot to buy on these dips that are you know, the, the administration wants to do this. It is certainly a, a pressure, but, you know, is it really going to stick or, or how much is it going to be limited? I, I don't see Johnson & Johnson being too terribly impacted by, uh, by some of these moves. But time will tell. We'll see what actually happens. Uh, the Medicare was basically encouraged to uh, negotiate their own prices on drugs to then be able to, to provide healthcare at a more uh, regulated rate, I'll say. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And I, I always think that the, the drug companies, I'm sure they have lobbyists and all who are going to fight for them and, and get the, the pricing where they need to still make their money and uh, be able to, you know, do the R&D to come out with the next, uh, next big drug or help other problems and kind of have that pipeline of medication still working, you know, so there, there's definitely a spot where they still need to make money. They do need to provide a, a cost-effective uh, solution to a lot of people's problems, and hopefully we can get healthier as a nation at a better cost. So we'll, we'll see what that all entails. We'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on the uh, development, developments in the, uh, the plan and where they're going to go from here. Um, also Apple is talking about, uh, or Apple day, their, their releases are coming up 
and we will, uh, I guess, see what is going to be coming out of Apple. I've heard lots of things about um, the iPhone and the AirPods. And, uh, you know, one of the big things that's coming from this news is that Apple wants to possibly uh, do something with satellite phones and uh, possibly be getting uh, Apple satellites around the world which we will see what that actually does. But I mean, it, it could certainly put some pressure on some of the traditional carriers, your Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. We'll see if uh, if Apple needs those relationships long-term or if they're basically going to you know, go away from that type of carrier and have their own uh, satellite that uh, people can use to, to communicate they're talking about device to device device to device communications like we haven't seen before um, they're saying different things about uh, the way that they're going to kind of roll out this different platform so we'll see what that means i definitely think uh you know nine times out of ten apple is a buy i don't i don't like to trade apple i did trim a little bit just because it was getting to be too large of a percentage of my portfolio um it was one of my bigger investments when I started and it's grown over a hundred percent. So I took a, a couple dollars off and uh, I actually put it into some healthcare picks the other day. So I, I spread some of that money between Abby and Johnson and Johnson uh, on some of that dip last week from Abby. And then I added some more yesterday uh, to kind of get some of those healthcare names up. You know, I, I do like the the dividends that you get from these healthcare plays, uh, Abby is like four and a half percent. Johnson and Johnson is a bit less. I want to say they're high twos, but let me let me double check that. Two and a half percent, and you know, so these these dividend payers they certainly keep that money rolling in, and that is a lot of what I wanted to talk about today. There are all different types of investors. You know, we've talked about uh, swing trading, day trading. Um, you know, different ways to get in and out of the market. But one great thing that I love about dividends is they kind of keep coming in regardless of what the stock does. So on a company like Johnson and Johnson, you know, they, they're paying you a, a dollar six, a, uh, a quarter to hold a share. A share is currently one sixty eight. So, you know, it's, it, that's where they come up with that two, uh, 2.52%. So they will pay you a dollar six a quarter, so that would be what four twenty four a year to hold a share. So you know you hold a couple shares or whatever you're holding, it's going to come back either uh, and purchase more shares for your for your portfolio. And uh, if you do the drip program, which is a dividend reinvestment program, and it'll automatically reinvest into your uh, position in that name. Or if you don't have drip turned on it'll come back to us cash. Uh, you can use that cash for buying other names that are more on your radar right now. Say, you know, if you don't want to buy Johnson and Johnson right here, or you think McDonald's is overvalued as, you know, I mean, as the market goes up, you can then take that dividend from that company as cash and buy other names. You can keep it in your portfolio and do that. Or you could take it out and pay some of your bills if you want. Um, I had played with that idea you know, in my business, the winter is often slower. Um, if if it's snowing, I'm doing great. But if it's not, um, sometimes my my cash flow hurts in the winter. So I had thought, you know, 
if I build up some of my winter positions, I can, uh, or people who pay, you know, December, January, February, when I'm slower, I could take that cash to pay bills should I have to. Um, I have turned off drip before on some of these bigger names that pay me more. Um, Altria, Iron Mountain, some other uh, real estate investment companies, some of those bigger payers. Uh, AT&T I had turned off before to collect those dividends as cash and be able to reinvest into other things. But if you want to take that cash out and send it to your bank account, you can certainly do that. It's just a, a transfer on any of your brokerages. But, you know, like I said before, I use E-Trade. So you can send that back to your bank account in the opposite man, uh, manner that you would transfer money into your E-Trade account. You can put it right back into your uh, your checking account or whatever. So you can use this money that you're earning from your dividends. Uh, so that's definitely an option that you can do. Uh, you know, if you have these months where, you know, money's a little bit tighter, you know, you can certainly take that money out. But my thought is keep that money in and let it reinvest and let that compounding interest just kind of snowball and let these names grow. And, uh, you know, should I have my eye set on something else, uh, you know, I mean, like like some of these growth names that don't pay a dividend, if it's uh, DraftKings or a firm or SoFi or, you know, pick any other name that you're, you know, really interested in investing in, you can take that cash and buy those as well. So however you want to do it, dividends definitely are a money generator. Uh, you know, I mean, the first time I got a dividend check from Caterpillar way back when was, you know, a few dollars. But now this morning I woke up and uh, I had got a dividend payment from two companies and, uh, you know, I got 36 bucks from Microsoft and I got $45 from Raytheon. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting 80 bucks before I even get out of bed. And granted, this money's already reinvested into these names. But, you know, it's money I didn't have to come out of my pocket to increase my position. So it might not be a ton, but it's, it's money that you get to, to basically hold on to a name. And it really makes uh, that snowball effect grow quicker, especially in some of these names with the higher dividends. When you're buying another share or two every time they pay you, uh, it certainly adds up a lot faster. And then your next dividend check is even bigger. And so it's just buying more, growing more every time without even thinking about it. So it's certainly a good way to uh, keep your, your account growing. And you can also use it in different ways to uh, keep your keep your money growing. So where do you want to hold your dividend stocks? Um, that's kind of a common question that we try to figure out where to hold them or um, what type of account is best for your needs. And uh, oftentimes like a, uh, a real estate investment trust, a REIT, is a, uh, a good, good stock to hold in an IRA or a 401k, a tax-deferred or tax-free account. And why is that? Uh, REITs are taxed as a distribution of wealth from the company you invest in versus a, uh, something like Visa or McDonald's is it's taxed as a, a, a regular dividend. So that means your distribution is going to be taxed as income from names like uh, 
Realty Income, O, or Medical Properties Trust, MPW, IRM, Iron Mountain. Um, so you're going to have these taxed as regular income. So it's not as beneficial to you to hold them in a brokerage account. So when you when you hold them in a uh, IRA, whether it's a Roth or a traditional, there are more benefits because you'll be paying that tax at a different time. Now, I'm not a tax advisor by any stretch. Um, I know enough to to be dangerous, but don't uh, you know? Don't take every last word that I say as as gospel. Certainly, talk with a financial advisor. But this is kind of the strategy I've been using. So you hold. Uh, in in your brokerage or in my brokerage, I like to hold the uh, the REITs and some different growth names. And my thought is, when uh, when you're taxed on these in a IRA, you will be taxed either at a lower rate if you're not in a Roth, or it'll be tax free uh, in a Roth. So, you know, when when you have these um, high uh, growth names you'll have a, a different tax rate on those as well. And when you cash out, it would be as income. So or when you trade out of them also, it's going to be taxed as income. So if you can have these in a name like an IRA, you won't have that same tax burden as what you would have by trading them in a brokerage. So that being said, my brokerage account is generally full of um, my, my regular dividend names. There are a lot of growth names in there because I, I maxed out my IRA. So I you can only have a certain amount of money in in your IRA per year. Your Roth is, if you're eligible for a Roth, it's based on your income and uh, some other factors. Again, talk to your, your tax advisor. Um, I Like I've said before, I am in a SEP IRA, a self-employed person's IRA. And there's a bunch of different people who can use a SEP IRA. There are businesses that can give their employees a SEP IRA. And generally speaking, a SEP is uh, for like a cyclical business. You know, if it's a, uh, a you know, I, I mean, I'm in landscape, I'll use that example to where you have a slower season. Um, you know, they can't always pay out the same amount uh, in the in the busy season versus in the slow season. So like a ski resort would be opposite of me. They can pay their employees more during the winter, but you know maybe less during the summer when they're just doing events or something like that at a ski resort. So um, the percentage has to match a, across all employees. Uh, myself, I'm just one employee for my company, but at a, a business that would be giving out a SEP IRA as their uh, retirement account, it would be a, a flat rate. So if it's if it's four percent, it's four percent for every employee that is uh, enrolled in this SEP IRA platform. Um, so you you definitely have to look at your um, investments and where they're going and to where they're going to be best suited for your uh, strategy. And uh, and like I said, in my um, IRA, I think I'm capped out at like eight thousand a year based off of my pay. Um, IRA, your your Roth IRA, I believe is sixty five hundred or sixty five fifty, um, but I mean, like I said, I, that's not my that's not my financial uh, investment that I use. So I know a little bit more about the one that I use. So definitely take a look at them, see what works best for you, and make sure you're getting the best out of uh, 
from your employer, whether it's the employee match or, you know, certainly take as much money as you can um, to, to get that free match from your employer if that works for you. Um, I am my own employer, so I, I don't have that luxury of getting the free money from, from the employer. Um, but if they're giving you free money, certainly take it. But yeah, you want to hold these different names in different places as to what they're going to do best for you. Um, and like I said, once I max out that uh, that IRA for the year, the, the rest of the money then goes into my brokerage. So I generally front load my IRA early in the year. And that money is normally invested by March. Uh, so then I'll, you know, sometimes I just I pick names or put it in a and either the growth names or REITs or sometimes just ETFs in the IRA. And then the rest of the money is going to go into my brokerage. So there are uh, growth names in my brokerage. And I understand that there's going to be tax on them. And that's fine. As long as I'm, I'm making money, I, I don't mind the tax. It, it is what it is. You know, there's no way around the tax, man. So I'm going to, to pay those taxes, but hopefully these gains are uh, substantial and you know, again, if you hold these uh, these names for more than a year, you're taxed less than if you hold them for under a year. So keep that in mind as you're trying to rotate in and out of names, if that's your strategy, that the uh, the tax man's going to get you on these names that you're holding for under a year, that your taxes are going to be higher. Uh, so definitely keep that in mind. Um, you know, so make sure that uh, your your plan matches what you're coming up with uh, on your brokerage. You want to make sure you have a matchup as to this goes here, this goes into this bucket, and kind of write out that plan again before you start. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell, and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.